Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, as you're going there. Say hello to everyone here, everyone online. Welcome to a new series. It's always exciting. A series called The Art of Giving. The Art of Giving. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen. One of the greatest and most important areas of our lives is the way that we deal with our finance. I don't really want to mix words, but for the next four weeks, I want us to explore, explore what the Bible tells us about finance. You know, I think one of the misunderstandings or misconceptions is that uh, the Bible doesn't say much about our money. And money is such an important area of our lives because, you know, money can be one of the greatest blessings or it can be a great curse on our lives depending on how we approach it. Sadly, many of us, when we get to money matters, uh, the Bible isn't usually where we go to for sound financial advice, is it? Um, actually, the, the reality is for most of us, we, we don't go to the Bible when we start talking about money. Uh, over the next four weeks, I, wa- I want us to uh, explore what the Bible has to say about finance, because the Bible has plenty to say about finance. Um, at the end of the four weeks, feel free to disagree but make sure you understand that you're not disagreeing with me, but you're disagreeing with God. And uh, that's fine if you want to pick a fight with God. Okay? I wouldn't, but if you feel like it. Tonight, we're going to look at, and we're going to start at this idea, giving is worship. Can we all say that together? Giving is worship. And over the next month, we're going to look at the idea of giving as obedience, giving as surrender, and giving as investments. My wife, who I love very much, came to me one day and asked me, should I learn golf? (laughs) And um, I love golf. Uh, Golf is, you know, the sport of choice for a man of my physique. (laughs) Um, I love golf. And I also love my wife. But when my wife that I love came to me and said, can I play golf? I said, yeah, yeah, you can go play golf. And then when she said, can you teach me? I was like, uh. there was this, it's hard to explain. I was trying to write it out, but it was just this really uncomfortable sensation in my body of like, why do I feel like this? I love golf. I love my wife. But suddenly, those two things coming together made me very uncomfortable. <laughs> what, what this is, and I found out what it was, it's the result of a person that is living a life in, in this state called compartmentalization. I think I've written that out. Compartmentalization, right? Where we... we we divide our lives up 
And so we got our personal life, we got our social life, we got our married life, we got our public life, our private life, secret life, Christian life, other life. I don't know what the other life is, by the way. <laughs> I just found this on Google. We, 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 we live like this. You know, like, you just think about it, right? Like, you, you, you're, you know, think about it as hats. You know, like, for me, I have to wear uh, my husband hat to my wife. I have to then wear my dad hat to my kids. When I go to work, I have to wear my employee's hat. Um, at the church, I have to wear my pastor's hat. You know, with my friends, I wear my, my friend's hat. And, and what we tend to do in our lives is we, we don't really like mixing things. And so what we do is we compartmentalize these things. It's like, okay, church is Sunday, 6 to whatever, okay? And then you got work, you know, 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. And then, you know, you got, you know, Friday night drinks, which is not work, but with work people. But it's different. And you, we have different sections in our life. And, and we love all these areas, but when they start to overlap, we become uncomfortable. One of the areas that we, we, in our life that we compartmentalize is our spiritual life. Okay, our spiritual life, right? See, we have our Christian life, the Christian things that we do, and then we have our life outside of Christianity. Life in the church, life outside the church. At church, we do all the things that we need to do, but outside, it, it, sometimes we feel like we can do whatever we want. If I was to go one more step further, it's... As Christians, sorry, as Christians, we're in this relationship with this amazing God that created us, and we are called to love and to worship God. That's the, that's the, that's the reason why we exist. We exist for the glory of God. We exist to, to, to reflect back to God's glory. That's, that's, that's why we exist. You know, and when we start going, okay, well, we need to worship God, a lot of us kind of think, okay, worship God means singing, it means praying, it means reading the Bible, it means loving God and loving others. But for many of us, this does not include the areas of our finance and our giving. And, and the reason is this, it's because we've compartmentalized them. We've gone spiritual life with God, and then we've gone financial security, financial work, job, whatever, in the other section. And it's like, well, they're separate. But can I tell you that this is a, 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 this is a misunderstanding? And, and, and it's just not the case. Our spiritual life, meaning our relationship with God, God is so important. It actually can't be compartmentalized. It actually is an overflow onto all areas of our lives. Not just the, the spiritual and faith-based areas. What we worship must ultimately determine the way we live our lives. And more specifically, the way that we approach our finances. Now, let me show you this, how, how, how this is all linked, right? The greatest commandment, right? A, a, a teacher comes to, to Jesus and says, out of all the commandments, the 600 and something commandments given to the Israelite people in the Old Testament, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus, what's the greatest commandment that I'm meant to listen and follow? And Jesus says this in Mark 12, 30 and 31. Hopefully you know this because it's the vision of our church. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. 
The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than this. This is the great commandment. If you were to summarize what the life of a Christian is meant to be, it is in that commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? This is how we love God. This is how we honor God. This is how we glorify God. Now, take the first element, right? Love the Lord your God with all your hearts. Right? Hearts. Now, Go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21, where we read, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your hearts will be also. Your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, your heart will be also. So if we are to love God with all of our heart, and if all of our treasure is where our heart is, make the connection. We are meant to love God even with our treasure. I think I put it up there. There we go. For the visual learners. Worship with all your heart. Treasure is where your heart is, so worship with all your treasure. See, when we, 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 we compartmentalize our lives, when we separate different areas of our lives, sometimes we don't see this link and we don't see the overlap. Now, imagine, I, imagine in my family, I tell my children, my three, I have three children, I love you, Chris, Ben and Anna, I love you with all my heart, but my money is my money. You want money? You go get a job. Chris is 10. You can get a job from what, 14 and nine months? Just waiting. Just People are like, man, you can't send them off. And I'm like, no way, man. That's a life lesson. And he's got to start paying rent. <laughs> Imagine if I said that to my wife. Hey, honey. I love you. I'm committed to you, you know? But my money is my money. Can I tell you, that will not go down well. <laughs> okay, that's a theoretical example. I would never do that. And nor if you want to see me next week, please, you know, encourage me never to say that ever. But that's what compartmentalization is. I'm going to love my children or my family with certain areas of my life but not certain other areas of my life. But where's the problem? The problem is if you are to love someone with all your heart, can there be compartments? Can there be sections where you can and can't? And you, you can't have that. Because the key word in all of that is all. I love you with all my heart. It's the same with God. You cannot love God if you do not love him with all that you are and all that you have. And when we separate God and money, God issues and money issues in our lives, when we put God in one section and money in another section, then you are not giving God your whole life. You are not surrendering your whole life to him. Giving is an act of worship. 
In the same way that we sing songs to glorify God, when we give, in the same way that we use our voices to worship God, when we give, we are worshiping God with our treasures. And when I talk about treasures, I'm not just talking about straight out finance, you know, dollars and cents. I'm talking about uh, possessions. I'm talking about materials. When we serve God, we use our skills and talents to worship Him. Why would it be any different with our treasures? See, the the problem is we compartmentalize our relationship with God and the way that we worship Him. God, I'm going to worship you with my voice. I'm going to worship you with my time. I'm going to spend some time with you. I'm going to worship you by serving your church, by serving in ministry. And yet when it comes to finance, there's a gap. We all worship something. We all live for something. We all value something. And the key indicator of knowing what you worship comes down to three things. It's your time, your talents, and your treasure. I've said this so many times before. You want to know what you worship? Show me your weekly schedule and show me your bank account. I can tell you just from those two things what you worship. Proverbs 3.9 reads this. Honor, which is another word for worship. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Next week, I'm going to talk about the tithe. I'm going to talk about what it is that we're meant to give. But the Bible clearly tells us worship God with your finance. Because our finance is, is something that is used to worship. It's used in so many different ways. But even before working out how is the finance used for the sake of the kingdom, not, not knowing and not caring about how much that amount is, the act of giving is worship. When we give, that is the act of of worship. Just like singing, just like reading the Bible, when we say we love the Lord with all that we are and all that we have, we cannot separate giving and finance away from that. That's the first thing that I really want to help you to understand. You can't go, I love you, God, but don't touch my money. It didn't work with your wife it's not going to fly with God, okay? It's just not, you know? Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense. When we say, God, we love you and we surrender our lives, it's everything. It's all or nothing. The Bible tells us to give because giving is an act of worship. 1 Corinthians 16.2, and this is from the TEV version. Every Sunday, each of you must put aside some money in proportion to what you have earned. This is, this, is, <laughs> this is what Paul's saying to the Corinthians church, right? This is why we give every week. Have you, ever, have, you ever, have you ever wondered why we give every week? Because the Bible says so. 
You know, sometimes we just go to church and we just do things because it's just been traditionally like that. But can I tell you, we don't just do things for the sake of just, hey, that's a great idea. Hey, why don't we just, you know. It's because that's what the Bible shows us. You know, we give offering every week, not because the church is saving money so that we can buy a building, but it's the act of giving, which is just like every other part of the service, is an act of worship. It's no different. So the question is, if giving, and and, and really, I hope that that point just, you get that one. That giving is an act of worship. It's not separate. If giving is an act of worship, then how should we give? How should we give? 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let me finish today with three attitudes that we need to have as we worship God with our giving. Okay? Number one is this, cheerful. Everyone say cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful worshiper. Can you imagine saying, I love you to someone with a frown on your face? I, I love you. You know, like, it won't fly. It won't fly. God says, when you give, I want you to be cheerful. I want it to be a joy. I don't know about you. Uh, my parents... When I fought with my sister, which I did a lot, uh, my younger sister, we, what's the conclusion? Right? Some families, they have to shake hands. You know, some families, they have to hug. You know, uh, my family, you used to have to say, I love you. Oh, those empty words, right? As a kid, right? You know, and, and you can, like, you just fought. And when, when my sister and I fought, we didn't like, it wasn't like a metaphorical, like, you know, like mind-to-mind fight. Like, it was like, let's get your hockey stick, let's go. You know, it was like that, right? And so we've like beaten each other up. And then, and then at the end of it, my, my, my mom's like, okay, say I love you. I love you. You know, like, you know, they're not the words that you want to say. That's not what you're thinking, right? You know, sometimes we give like that to God. Here you go, God. You know, give whatever's left over. You know, God, you know, think about what I could do with this money. You know, and it's not even like, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. There are grumblers on either side. When you're poor, it's like, God, I don't even have much and you're taking this from me. And then when you give, you're like, God, look how much I'm actually giving you. It can so easily be an ungrateful giver. But when we worship God, God wants us to worship him joyfully. Joyfully. So when you give, give joyfully. Give cheerfully. Be happy. <laughs> you know, how many times do you give me an offering? You're like, oh, somber. It's like you're, you know, you're, you're parting ways with treasure. But no, it's an act of worship. It's a way that we honor God with our lives. It's joyful. It's cheerful. God loves a cheerful giver, a cheerful worshiper. Secondly, the attitude that we should have is that we should give freely. Everyone say freely. The Bible says that we should not give reluctantly. Not reluctantly. Forced. I was listening to a sermon 
And, and this was, is, is, is really encouraging, actually. When they first started the church, just like us, you know, new church, they would hand around the basket. They, you know, they weren't a rich church. And, and the reality is in every congregation, you have people who have lots and you have people that don't have much. And what they were saying was this, look, if you can give, give. Give for the work of the kingdom. You know, give for the work of the church. Give so that we can help those around you. But if you are in need, then when the offering basket goes around, you don't need to give. If you need, you can actually take. Right? And I was like, whoa, that's, you know, that's crazy. You know? It, it, it's, it's this idea that when we come to worship God, no one's forcing you. No one's forcing you to do it. It's your free choice. It's a choice that you say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love God. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, because I love God, I want to express my love to Him. And uh, I, I want to worship Him. That's how, that's how we should be giving. Giving is a privilege. You know that? Giving is a privilege. Giving is a privilege because we have something to give. You know, we live in Australia. We have one of the you know, greatest you know, companies in the world. Centrelink. <laughs> it's a fantastic company. You don't have to do much, and then they pay you. What a great country we live in, right? Like, we are in, we, we are in a blessed nation, and yet still we're quite easy to forget that. You, when we give, don't feel forced to give. Don't feel forced to sing. Don't feel forced to be, you know, serving the church. The act of worship must come from the freedom of our hearts because that's what God wants. God doesn't want people to be forced to do anything. God doesn't want you to, to force you to love him or worship him. He gives us that choice. Okay? Thirdly, the attitude of giving we should have, we should be intentional. Everyone say intentional. The Bible tells us that when we give, we should give intentionally, not under compulsion. Giving or worship, it's not a spur-of-the-moment thing. When we turn up and worship, it's not about how we feel like it or not, funny enough. When we say, I love you to someone that you love, you know, it's not a spur-of-the-moment thing. It's something that you actually have to think about because it means something deep. In the same way, giving should not be like that. Can I tell you this? God does not want random worshippers. Just turn up and go, hmm, do I feel like it today? Yeah, maybe, okay, okay, I'm going to sing the song. He wants worshippers that love him, that have made a decision in their heart that I love God and I want to worship him as an expression of honoring and acknowledging who God is. It's the same when we come to giving. The offering, comes, the offering basket comes around, right? Now, there's a funny story. It's not funny if it was you, but it was funny for me because it wasn't me, okay? This has probably happened to you or you've seen this, okay? The offering basket comes around. And for many of us, we don't offer uh, finances in advance, okay, which we'll talk about next week. But we don't really come prepared, okay? 
And what we do is, and it's okay, I'm, there's no judgment, it's just a funny story. The way we offer is this. The basket comes around, you get your wallet out because everyone else is getting their wallet out and you open it and you are praying and it's probably the only time that you're praying to God that there is a very small value note or coin in there. God, just a 10, you know, just a 5, right? And then people around you, whatever. I don't know if you've been in a situation where, and I said, I've seen this and it's just funny. They open their wallet. There's only a 50. <laughs> or there's only a 100. And, they, and then <laughs> they quickly close it. Hopefully nobody saw it. Because if someone saw it and you're like, ah, oh, and you, you give that, and you think about where that money could have been used that day and whatnot. Anyway, it's a funny story if it wasn't you, okay? But if we're honest, if we're honest, we give to God like that. We don't come prepared. We don't come knowing this is what I want to give. This is what I want to offer. We come and usually we just give either our scraps or our leftovers. And I said, I'm not, I'm not having a go at you. I'm just saying that that's probably the way it is. Let me ask, would you randomly buy an engagement ring, you know, for your fiancé without really thinking and planning? Would you get your wallet out and then whatever was left over from the week, use that to buy groceries for your children? You would never. You would never do that. Why? Because you love them. And because you love them, you know, people who buy these engagement rings, and, you know, we have had a few engagements, and, mate, you sit there and you research for months. And then what do you do? You go out and you have to work because you, the research tells you that it's so expensive, you know? No one just goes, hey, feels like a good day today. Let's go buy an engagement ring. Trust me, men, don't do that. You may not be engaged for long, okay? You know, like, I'm never going to go, oh, Mel's birthday, May 26. All right, let's pay the rent. Let's pay, you know, my golf membership because that's important. Let's pay, you know, my petrol. What have I got left? Okay, and whatever I can have left, I'll just buy a present with that and give it to me my wife, that does not fly. But can I tell you the reality? For some reason, that does not fly with our spouses, with our parents, our kids, the people that we love. But for some reason, we think that that's okay with God. For some reason, we think that 
we can give God our scraps, our leftovers. You know, the, the Old Testament talks about bring your first fruit. It means bring your first and your best to God. And for some reason, it's like we've just missed the point of this. And instead of giving our first fruit to God, the best and the first, we give him what? Our leftovers, if there is any. And that's not even the worst part. The worst part is that we think that that's okay. If giving is an act of worship, and you're giving God your scraps, your leftovers, then are you really worshiping God? And the answer is no. And then you have to ask yourself, what am I worshiping? Well, where does the best and the first go? And it's usually you. It's usually you. Our God does not deserve our scraps and our leftovers. You would never give your scraps and leftovers to your kids, your spouse, or your parents. And yet, for some reason, it's okay with God. And I'm telling you tonight, friends, it's not. It's not. It's like time. You know, we're not talking about time, but you go and do everything else that you need to do during the week, and if you have time, you come to church. Or like your daily Bible reading, like you do everything else, and then when you have time, if you have time, you read the Bible. It, can you imagine if that was the, you know, my relationship with my wife? Like I go to work and I go to golf, and then I, you know, I go and eat and I do this and I do this, and then, and then if I have 20 minutes at the end of the day, then I'll spend some time, quality time with my wife. That marriage is rubbish. That relationship is absolute rubbish. And yet, this is what we give to God. How is this okay? You know, we're in Chatswood, right? Chatswood is not a poor suburb. Let's just call it what it is, okay? I grew up further west in a poorer suburb, okay? Chatswood is not a poor suburb. We are not a poor church. We are not poor people. We are not a poor nation. So what excuse do we have? To give God our leftovers, our scraps. What excuse do you have? The only thing that's going to fly is this. God, you just weren't important. That's the bottom line. Over this spring sowing period, this spring sowing series, the art of giving series, I don't want to just help you to be a better giver. I want to help you to be a better worshiper because giving is worship. When we give, it's an act of worship. And so when we give to God because of who God is and what he's done for us, and how much we love him, that should be reflected in our worship to him, whether it be song, whether it be time, whether it be your skills and talents or service, 
or whether it be your finance. If you believe in your heart of hearts that God does not deserve this worship, then that's fine. That's your choice. Then you should go and worship whatever it is. But let's not, let's not fool ourselves. Let's not fool ourselves, sit here and go, God, glorious God, you are the greatest. I offer my life to you. I can give you my hands, my feet. You know, I can even give you my voice and even some of my time, but not my finance. That's, that's not on. My question as we begin this journey is this. Number one, what is it that you worship? What is it that you worship? And if you don't want to worship God, that's fine. That's fine. I'm not here to go, you need to worship God or you need to be a Christian. If you're not, you're not. That's fine. But once you work out what the object of your worship is, what the object of your affection is, then I want to ask you, is it with all of your heart? And is it with all of your time? and all of your talents, and all of your treasure. Next week, we're going to talk about how, from the Old Testament, what it is that we're meant to give. But tonight, it's really simple. Giving is worship. And as we worship God through our giving, we're called to give cheerfully, freely, and intentionally.